0: Hi folks, Uh, welcome to Anchor Point Online Church. Um, Today's June
1: 13th and it's a beautiful day. Uh, Special shout out to all those uh, who are joining us for the first time. Uh, Thank you for being here, it's great to have you.
0: Uh, My name is Frank and- I'm Anne, welcome. Right, and uh, we just wanted to say that uh, one of the the, uh, things that our pastor says is, uh, in Alliston as it is in heaven, and that's a great mantra and we we, uh, it's a great church, and it's a reaching out church to the community, mm. and we love it. So. Yeah, we want Jesus to come and do his stuff in Alliston, yeah. as it is in heaven. Um, speaking of that, thank you to all those who are contributing financially to uh, Anchor Point, and we encourage you to access the online giving, and that can be found at giving at apalliston.com for doing an e-transfer. Uh, one of my favorite times is the Monday evening gathering online at 8 p.m., where we pray it's just a wonderful time of uh, worship and prayer meeting and accountability, just honest and uh, yeah, real sharing and praying for each other and other needs in our church and community. So we'd love for you to join us there or, and or uh, Sunday mornings for singing and prayer. You can also go to the website for the link for the Sunday morning um, sign up for either in person or obviously you found us here online. Welcome. We're glad you're here. Thank you. Bye-bye now. Good morning, everyone. I'm going to read the scripture this morning, and it is found in Hebrews, and it is uh, 6, 13-20. The heading is The Certainty of God's Promise. For when God made a promise to Abraham, since he had no greater by whom to swear, he swore by himself He guaranteed it with an oath so that by two unchangeable things in which it is impossible for God to lie, we who have fled for refuge might have strong encouragement to hold fast to the hope set before us. We have this as a sure and steadfast anchor of the soul, a hope that enters into the inner place behind the curtain. Where Jesus has gone as a forerunner on our behalf, having become a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. And that is the reading for today. Amen.
1: Hey, good morning guys. How's it going? If I've not met you before, my name is Tom and I am really glad that you're here with us. Whether you are watching on YouTube right now or listening online. Maybe it's not even morning, so whatever time of day it is, hey, what's up? And I'm really glad that you're here. Uh, My hope and prayer, as always, guys, for us is that our conversation today, our discussion, or um, I guess it's more of a monologue, (laughs) but um, is that this is helpful for us on our journey of following Jesus, that it actually has some bearing and significance for us right here right now. And so we're going to have to get through a lot today. We're covering chapters 5 and 7 of Hebrews. And before we do that, I'd like us to pray because we need some help from God. So would you pray with me? Father, Son, Holy Spirit, thank you so much that you are a God who saves, that you are a God who has a plan and a purpose to all things, that you're actually leading us somewhere. And so we ask, Lord, this morning as we read through and think through a lot of stuff that maybe has some of us are here maybe, maybe for the first time, that we could really connect it to the purpose of um, becoming a disciple of Jesus right here and right now. So Holy Spirit, help me to be really clear today and concise. We ask that you would open up everyone's ears and hearts and spirits as we um, open up your word together and learn together. And we pray our protection over every listener or watcher right now in the name of Jesus. And we ask you to have your way, and we ask this all in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. So today, guys, we are going to be looking at the this idea of the priesthood, and this is significant to the hearers of the, this letter, um, because they they were they were they are followers of Jesus who are struggling to keep going, and one of the reasons they're struggling to keep going is that a lot of them were were Jewish before they met and discovered this whole idea of, of Jesus, the person of Jesus, the good news of the gospel. And so they have experienced in a lot of ways and shapes and forms, some type of ostr- ostracizing, loss of relationship. For a lot of them, it would have been loss of work, of an ability to provide for their family. Some of them are, are experiencing legitimate persecution, imprisonment. But the, the draw is that maybe we should just go back to the way things were before, that's the draw. Like, do we really need, do we really wanna be challenged? Do we really wanna have to change the way that we're living our lives? Can we just go back to the way it was before? And so there's a significant cost to following Jesus that these these people are living through and experiencing. And they're like, well, maybe we just go back to the old way where, you know, we go to the synagogue and we offer sacrifices, we go to the priests, and maybe that's actually better. And so the the author of this letter, the the preacher, because it does read as a sermon, is systematically going through all the the escape hatches that they could go out to the old way. So they're saying, hey, listen, you think angels are great, Jesus is better. Oh, you think Moses is great, Jesus is better. And today, you think the the priesthood and the sacrificial system is better? Well, Jesus is better than that. And so it's significant in that way, but I think there's still significance for us today as we learn together today. That's my hope and my prayer. So we're going to look at the old priesthood, the Levitical priesthood, Jesus' priesthood, this guy named Melchizedek, kind of bridging the gap there, and then what does it look like to hold fast and to draw near to God and then have a challenge at the very end, this call to maturity. So let's start with the priesthood. The priesthood, um, I'll give a really basic definition. A priest is someone who presides over the overlapping boundary of heaven and earth. Their primary function is to represent God to people and people to God. Priests act as mediators between heaven and earth, between the divine and human, they are embodied representatives of the divine. This matters because way back in the beginning of the story, you guys, remember God created humanity. God had placed them in the, this garden in, in Eden on top of this mountain where essentially heaven and earth were overlapping. And God created them to be with him and to actually partner with him to spread God's presence into the whole earth. But But Adam and Eve, just like we would have done rebelled against God. They actually said, listen, you have an idea about what's good and evil. I think our idea is better. And so they disobeyed God. There was a fracture of relationship where heaven and earth overlapped. There actually became a separation. And there's actually the the garden was guarded by these two angelic beings. And from then on, God's presence needed to be mediated due to our sin. And so our rebellion against God caused a schism or a fracture between us and God. And so this fast forwards to this guy named Abraham, where God makes a partnership with him and says hey listen through your family through your lineage i'm going to i'm going to bless them so that they can bless the world and the real blessing that the whole world is waiting for and longing for and desperate for whether they know it or not is actually god's presence and so it's through your people through your offspring i'm going to spread my presence into the world so there's this there's this hope that someone's going to come and set right what was broken? So we were created for union with God. That was broken in our sinful rebellion against God. There's this anticipatory hope of someone who's going to actually set things right, so that we can dwell with God yet again. And so these priests, they 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 served a purpose. And so the purpose was to reconnect heaven and earth. Right? That's the whole storyline of the Bible. And so what happened there is, as our um, good God s- sought to have relationship with us once again. One of the things he did was he appointed these guys called priests from, from the, a very specific tribe of people. One of the descendants of Abraham, actually, the, the Levites. So these were the sons of Aaron. And so these guys were called by God. They were given a divine call to mediate between heaven and earth. And these people were humans. They were actual real human beings that had human frailties and brokenness. and And because of that, they actually had sympathy on the people that they were leading. The people that they were being a representative of God to them and and backwards, they were representing man to God. There was a real sympathy and empathy for the human condition that they had. They were called by God. They experienced human frailty and weakness and had sympathy because of that. This priesthood was set up as a temporary measure. There was a forward-looking idea that, remember, there's going to be someone who's going to come and set these things right so that heaven and earth can overlap yet again, so God and man can dwell together yet again. And these people were the priests, and so they would they would make sacrifices. They lived lives that were set apart. They had a very specific, strict um, set of rules and regulations, garments that they would wear, all that had significance in this whole storyline of God and man re- being reunited once again. And so these priests, um, what they would have to do is they would offer um, all kinds of sacrifices, but specifically sin sin offerings to God, um, and and this would be something that they'd have to do regularly because of the sinfulness of man. And so they would have to offer sin offerings for themselves as sinful fallen human beings and for the people of God, because they were representing they were a representative of the entire nation of Israel. They could only enter God's presence at very specific and certain times. And this was something that the, the role of the great high priest had that was very significant. So they would enter into the Holy of Holies, which within the tabernacle or the temple, was the place where God's presence actually manifests itself. So on on top of the Ark of the Covenant, there's this thing called the mercy seat. And right there, God's presence would be made manifest to the high priest. And so they would come in and offer a sacrifice to cover their own sin and to cover the sin of Israel so that God would remain with them, that they they would be God's people and God would be their God. And so, this was very significant in the fact that there were times where this would happen where the, the sinfulness of man and the holiness of God they, they kind of had um, disastrous re- results where the, the priest wouldn't have gone through the right cleansing or hadn't offered the sin offering correctly and he would actually drop dead, which is in, in it, God's holiness is just that profound and that powerful. They would drop dead to the point where they would they had to begin to tie a rope around their waist and have a bell on the bottom of their garment so that the people outside the veil there was a veil before the holy of holies they would listen and if the bell stopped they would realize okay this guy fell over we need to pull him out better luck next time but the in, in essence in summary the priests were there to to deal with sin and to bring the people before god so that's the old that's the levitical priesthood and so Part of the story, I'm going, to, I'm going to tell the story of this guy named Melchizedek to bridge the story between Jesus and and the Levitical priesthood. So Melchizedek um, is someone we see in Genesis chapter 14. And he is a, a king of righteousness. That's what his name actually means. Means Melch means king. Zedek means righteousness, king of righteousness. And he's a priest of the most high God. And he's doing this in, in a place called Salem, which is part of the root word of shalom, which is peace. Um, so he is a king priest. And in the story, it's significant in Genesis 14. There's no genealogy before or a talk of him after in terms of him having a beginning or an end. And so in the story, Abraham comes across Melchizedek. Melchizedek actually blesses Abraham. And Abraham, in response, they have this feast together. In response, Abraham gives Melchizedek a tenth of everything. He tithes to Melchizedek. And this is significant because, um, remember, Abraham is the father of the the nation of Israel. Eventually, they come from his line. And the Levites were the priests. And and the way that the priesthood was set up is that um, the people of Israel would give 10% to the Levites. They would tithe to the priests there. And so what, what the significance is, is that Aaron and the tribe of Levi is actually descendants. So it talks about how he's part in Abraham's loins at the time. And, and Abraham is deferring or saying, hey, listen, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tithe to you, Melchizedek. You are superior to me in that way. So this priest king, Melchizedek, is able to bless Abraham and to receive a, a tithe from Abraham. So there's a deference to his priesthood and his kingship that we see there. And so in Psalm 110, which is referenced all throughout Hebrews, talks about this new high priest, this great high priest is going to be set everything right again. He's going to be a priest after the order of, of Melchizedek. And this brings us to Jesus. So Jesus, just like Aaron and, and the Levites, was appointed by God. He had a divine call to be the new great high priest. He, he learned as the God-man through the incarnation Human weakness and sympath- and was able to sympathize with us as he faced every temptation that we face yes yet was without sin so Jesus faced temptation to the nth degree because what happens with us is we are tempted and we often give in so if we think about it in terms of like say a timeline we we give in it's terrible for here then we just can't take it anymore and we give in Jesus goes all the way to the bottom of our temptation and does not even give in does not sin and we see this most poignantly in in garden of gethsemane where he's he's struggling to receive um and and live out the full calling god has for him to lay down his life and he's like okay but not my will but your will be done lord i'm not gonna i'm gonna defer to you i'm gonna i'm not gonna define good and evil myself i'm gonna defer to you father i'm gonna submit to you so he was able he's able to sympathize with us in our human frailty and weakness he had to become human to do so the 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 Levitical priesthood was temporary. It was a foreshadowing of, of this one who's going to come who's actually going to lay down a perfect sacrifice and be able to reunite us with God perfectly. So this was a temporary solution. What Jesus does is the new high priest, he sets up an eternal forever covenant as the new high priest because his life is actually indestructible. So the old priests, they would die. They were temporary. They had to get new ones continually because they were human beings, they would die. Jesus comes and he, he is... He's setting up a forever covenant as the eternal high priest because he lives in an indestructible life. Meaning he could die. Like he as human, he died, but death itself couldn't even hold him down. And so he has this indestructible life. And so that's our new high priest. That's our prince or our priest of, of God most high. And so he Although um, the Levites were from the line of Abraham, Jesus is from the line of Melchizedek. I'm going to make you a priest after the order of Melchizedek. So this would make sense to those, to those hearers that, well, how can Jesus become a priest if he's not from the tribe of Levi? He's from Judea. He's, a, he's the line of the tribe of Judah. How does that make sense? He's from that tribe. So this is saying, hey, listen, there is precedent for that. Remember Melchizedek? Jesus is from that line, the superior line, as, even as Abraham gave tithes and was blessed by Melchizedek Aaron's uh Levitical priesthood was was established by genealogy it it, it was significant in who your forefathers were not so qualified you Jesus is his priesthood is established by Yahweh by the father and it's established in an oath from God himself again superior better in in the old way sin is covered through ongoing the ongoing need of sacrifices and cleansing in Jesus, in his sacrifice, our sin is removed. That's an upgrade, for sure. Jesus offers a once and for all sacrifice for other people, for all of us. His, his sacrifice is perfect because he lived a sinless life continually and and, and does that for us. Um, the old priests said they could enter God's presence at very significant times under very strict rules and regulations. In the new covenant with Jesus... We're able to dwell with God at all times through the Holy Spirit. It's incredible. And so just like in, in the old covenant, the priests would deal with our sin and bring us before God. Jesus does both of those things. He deals with our sin and laying down his own life for us and conquering um, the evil one. And he brings us before God as we are hidden in him, right? We, by faith, join ourselves to him. He is our new representative as man to God and represents God to us humans. So he is the great high priest. We have an upgrade in Jesus. Jesus is better than the Levitical priesthood. He is the great high priest. You guys okay? That's a lot of stuff, I realize. but what does that mean for us today? So we read this morning, the scripture that we had read was about this anchor of the soul that goes into the Holy of Holies. And so for us as followers of Jesus, we have to think through this. Okay, we were in the beginning, we were called to to be like priests, but then sin caused a fracture in that. Jesus comes to reestablish. He is the great high priest, but he's making us into a kingdom of priests where we are actually learning to reflect God's character. To, we're learning about God and from that place, being able to reflect God's character to other people. And so he, that's the call for us, that, that one day as God reunites heaven and earth once again the culmination of all things in the new jerusalem god's presence is actually going to be at the center unmediated because of what jesus has done he is the great high priest offering the sacrifice to cleanse us from all of our unrighteousness so that we can come into god's presence fully completely boldly in this new jerusalem where god's presence is at the center but we get to learn how to do that right here and right now and this is that promise of this sure and steadfast anchor of the soul that goes into the holy of holies so there's this um, significance there because the Holy of Holies is is the very epicenter of God's presence. And so we have this anchor there, and that's Jesus, our, our high priest, the one who sympathizes with us, the one who represents us to the Father, the one who's interceding for our for us right now. That's where we want to anchor our lives. And so in the midst of all kinds of things that could come our way, just like the hearers in Hebrews would have had all kinds of stuff coming their way, persecution, he's saying, hey, listen, remember, Abraham trusted God and God provided for him. And God swore by himself that he's gonna never leave you or forsake you and he's gonna make sure this happens. It's in the same thing, the same God is the one that that we're called to live life with, the one that we are putting our faith and trust in. As we say, we are followers of Jesus. That's our anchor. So there's this anchor in the perfect sacrifice of Jesus cleansing us from all of our unrighteousness, bringing us before God that that is there forever. So what he's saying is hold fast to that anchor. Hold fast to that anchor point. The the very presence of God is what we want. We want God's presence to fill up all the earth. That's the thing that's going to bring renewal. That's the thing that's going to help you with your anxiety, with your fear, with whatever your personal thing might be right now. God's presence is is the thing that you're longing for, whether you know it or not. So with Jesus there's this anchor we're like our his his presence anchors us in the very throne room of God. And so we hold fast to what Jesus has done for us there. And in doing so, like picture like pulling on as the is like set in the water. Sometimes I do that when we're done fishing. I'll, I'll pull on their line and it'll pull us over to where the anchor is and then so we're as we pull on that, as we hold fast to that and draw nearer to God there's this drawing near that's happening and that's what he's saying like hey listen draw near to the throne of grace because i can sympathize with you in your weakness i can sympathize with you in your frailty because i experienced every temptation that you would have experienced and i know i get it so it's like every every time we experience temptation or we're like we're crying there's there's tears we're struggling jesus is like i get it i know i know it's so hard i know just but come here draw near let me show you what the father's really like. This is, this is him and he loves you and he wants to help you deal with this so this isn't an issue anymore so you can live a life um, that represents me to the world and all kinds of good stuff. So there's a call to hold fast. We hold fast to Jesus and what he's done, to his priesthood, to his sacrifice, to his cleansing. And we draw near because God, God, we have a God who sympathizes with, with us, a high priest who gets it. Jesus is both king and priest, just like Melchizedek. So he wants to see his rule established in us, his rule as king. And he he does that as he sympathizes with us as priests, as we fall short continually. continually, He sympathizes with us as the prince of peace. And so what does that mean for us now? Within these chapters, guys, in the middle, there's this challenge to the hearers that are like, hey, listen, I know this is complicated, and you might be hearing this today and be like, this is insane. I have, Who the heck is Melchizedek? What are we talking about? But the author, even in there, he's saying, hey, listen, guys, you're settling for milk and not meat. Like you should be able to teach this to other people, but you can't, you don't even understand the most basic theology, the most basic things about God. And so there's this challenge in there to take our theology, to take our Christology or Christology specifically more serious. And so this whole series we've entitled Looking to Jesus, and we, we as we or reading through this, I think it's, it's becoming more and more evident that as we experience um, different temptations, as we experience the temptation, maybe some of us are feeling to throw in the towel, just like the hearers of this would have been here feeling, that as we look to Jesus, as we see him as he really is, as we hold fast and draw near, that there's going to be something that shifts and changes in us. As we come to Jesus, as we are tired and we are heavy laden, and we don't know how to live life, we, we need to learn from him that we take our our Christology more seriously. We take into consideration to more depth who Jesus really is and how that bears into our lives right here, right now, as king and as priest. So there's there's a call here to, to take seriously and to mature in the faith. And so we do that by things like reading the scriptures. We do that through study. We do that through conversation with other people. We do that through just continuing to learn both experientially and in, in knowledge, who, who God is. And so this is, this is a, a, a nudge, guys, to take it seriously. Because what happens when we take our Christology lightly, we think' like, oh yeah, Jesus is my homeboy. We get along real well. It's great. He, you know, he likes everything I like. It's amazing. It, it, it actually, what happens is we, we, we take, in taking God less seriously, we take our sin less seriously. And we, we end up doing harm to ourselves and others in a more serious way. So as we begin to see Jesus as he really is, like in today's text, as as the true and better high priest, what does that mean for us? That means that because he can sympathize with us, because he's actually paid the price to cover whatever sin maybe you're hiding, whatever sin that you're living with, whatever um, brokenness you've yet to kind of surrender to God, he is able to take that. He's able to save to the uttermost, it says in our scriptures this week, that he, whatever it is, he's able to get underneath it in the muck, in the mire, in the grossness of it, and to help you deal with it. He's covered it. He's removed it. But how do you live in light of that? How do you how do you process that with him? So when we take Jesus less seriously, we take our sin less seriously. And so how do we take Jesus more seriously? We learn about who he is. We learn about the significance of him coming as our better high priest. We learn that actually because he's so good, because he's so gracious, because he understands, we can actually come before him. We can draw near and say, hey, listen, these are the, these are the ways I've, I've fallen short of your rule and your reign in my life, of what you want to see established in me this week. Would you forgive me? And he will cleanse you and he will wash you and he will lead you on your way. And so my challenge for you this week is to take seriously who Jesus is, to take seriously your, your Christology, to take seriously what it looks like to learn the way of Jesus. And then the other thing is kind of cont- a continuation. This would be the third week in the row. I really feel like God's um, highlighting this for us as a community, this, this invitation to confession that that we're able to, through what we're learning this morning, come to this eternal High priest, way better than anything that's happened before that would mediate our our relationship with God, a way better representation to us of who God really is and an incredible exchange of a, of a representation of God to of, of who we are or hidden in Jesus, thankfully because I am a I am not a good representation of of the true humanity. I am a mess, you know and so Jesus represents us instead of that. So in light of those things let's let us draw near. the throne of grace let us learn to confess to god the ways that we've fallen short the ways that we're trusting ourselves the ways that we're unskillfully going about getting our needs met and let's repent let's let's confess to god let's repent and then let's turn and follow our great high priest further into the kingdom further into this this eventual space of of being a royal priesthood of living in the unmediated presence of god of of being able to spread his presence into all the earth. That's where all of this is heading guys. So let's learn right here and right now. So take your Christology seriously, study, read your scriptures and learn to confess to one another. And I'm I'm, I'm so hopeful that God is gonna use um, these things to continue to help us follow the way of Jesus for the renewal of our town. So all, all my love to you guys, bless you. I pray that this is helpful for your discipleship to Jesus. Bless you.